Matthew chapter 4, page 1499 in the Bench Bibles. Our text is from the Lord's Prayer, the next petition, after the one we looked at this morning, which reads, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Once again, Matthew 4 will look at our text through the words of the temptations of Jesus. So, Matthew 4, beginning at verse 1. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. These are the very words of God. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We'll look at Matthew 4 here. First, what it means, and then second, how it applies with what it means, I'm going to be brief and not talk about everything in the text, but try to hit a few light, highlights. We'll go through the text briefly. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit, it says, into the desert, hot, dry, to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, I don't know if that was complete fast. I assume not, but the Bible isn't focusing on whether it was complete or partial. The 40 days, actually, is what the Jews would focus on. Lots of things happened 40 days. Uh, Moses was uh, on the mountain 40 days, and uh, Pentecost comes 40 days after resurrection, and so on and so on. But 40 days in the Bible suggests a long time, a complete amount of time to accomplish something worth accomplishing. That's how the Hebrews would hear it. Verse 3, the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Some commentaries divide temptations into three kinds. We'll ignore that this evening to focus on a few other things. Verse 4, Jesus answered, It is written, 
And you will notice that the devil <laughs> quotes scripture and misquotes scripture. And Jesus refutes the devil by quoting scripture the way scripture should be quoted. And that happens three times. That's an important thing. It is written, said three times. And then you read of two other acts of temptation on the part of the devil. In both cases, the devil acts very pious, even quotes from the Old Testament. And Jesus recognizes the misquote from the Old Testament, which is a temptation, and refutes the devil with, again, it is written. And the last temptation is a bit unique in that the devil assumes <laughs> the kingdoms of the world are his kingdoms. They're not. They're God's kingdoms. The devil is the usurper leader of the kingdoms of the world. And also the devil then leads Jesus, if you worship me, I'll give you the kingdoms of the world, which the devil doesn't have to give in the first place, but I'll do it. And if you worship me, and it would be very wrong to worship the devil. What you say to him is what Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. In fact, the Jewish mindset was very strong on the fact that uh, you worship only God and you may worship anyone else other than God. And the fact that Jesus accepted worship from people is one of the strong testimonies in the New Testament that he claimed to be God. And then verse 11, I can't help but noticing that too. The devil came to him and angels came and attended them. When I used to teach church school many years ago, we had books, and one of the things that uh, students had to memorize was that last verse in Hebrews 1, are that not they angels ministering servants of God? And if I can give an opinion, we don't, of course, pray to angels or maybe even talk to them directly, but I think we have every reason to pray to God for his angels to help us in our temptations and troubles. I see no reason why we shouldn't. You know, some people think there's one angel per Christian. Maybe I can't prove or disprove that one, but uh, I do believe in angels. The Bible mentions them. And we have the right to pray to God for angel protection. Now, just a few questions that come up here, and then I'll leave the explanation point here. Some questions arise because God can't be tempted or fall to temptation, and Jesus is the God-man. Triune God can't fall to temptation. James 1 says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. And then James goes on to add, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Question, could Jesus really be tempted? My answer, yes. He's the God-man, and he had a human nature, and human nature can be tempted. Could Jesus fall to temptation? That's a difficult one. 
I'm going to answer that yes, because of his evil nature, but there are plenty of people who disagree with me. Maybe that's something we'll have to wait to know in heaven because the way the divine and human natures of Jesus interact and the fact that God is God can't fall to temptation, all enter in. It's a bigger question than we can go into in more depth. Could Jesus resist temptation? Of course. And he did here. Now, I'll leave it there. There are more questions that people could ask and maybe that you have, but I want to spend the majority of our time together this evening talking about how Jesus' temptations here are helpful to us. And I do so with the thinking that there's more temptation around than people recognize in our age. Temptations to God's people and others. And so therefore, a few points of application here based on the text. The first one is simply this. We too must be aware of the devil and alert to the devil who is behind all temptations. Now that may sound like a truism to you. Uh, there are two, shall we say, extremes to avoid. The one extreme is what some people have called the devil behind every bush and the devil who is tempting every big city in the world, and that sort of thing. Um, we can overdo the devil, but I'm afraid that's not the danger in our time. I remember going on tours to Europe and places like that, and uh, I remember seeing ludicrous pictures of the devil on old buildings from the early centuries after Christ. And the explanation was people were super aware of devils and demons. And they actually tried to keep them away by making silly, mocking, clownish pictures of the devil. Um, I guess we almost want to laugh at that today, but there's something in me that says, don't laugh at that. They at least took the devil seriously. And you've heard of miscues with people who were too much into the devil, things like the Salem witch trials in colonial times in the U.S. So one extreme is be a little careful of overdoing concern about the devil. But the other extreme, which I fear is the more important one nowadays, is ignoring the devil as if he doesn't exist. And if we don't see him, he can come and tempt and be a lot more successful because we don't realize it's a temptation of the devil. I think that we got to be very careful for. The devil is real and he is influential. He's not God. He doesn't have the attributes of God, like all-knowing and all of that. He's an angel. 
But he is a powerful and subtle angel, and he is out to tempt and cause God's people to fall. I've had people, you know, in churches say to me things like, would you do an exorcism because so-and-so is demon-possessed? Well, I hesitate on that because I don't have expertise in that area. I do believe in demon possession, but I think I believe even more not in demon possession as if the demons were inside, but demon temptations from outside. And the devil can come and go, you know. Winning over the devil when he comes is to have him go. And so rather than do an exorcism, and I could read an exorcist prayer in the name of the Lord Jesus, et cetera, et cetera, I cast you out. No, it doesn't grab me. I cast you out. God <laughs> does it, not an exorcist. But at any rate, when Jesus sensed the devil's presence, I won't call Jesus demon-possessed, but he certainly was tempted by the devil, Jesus said things like, get thee behind me, Satan. That once when Peter was making uh, a statement that was tempting Jesus. Get thee behind me, Satan. And here in our text, the all-important thing, uh, it is written. So in an age which is very materialistic, money, more money, material, that sort of thing, and very secular, ignoring the sacred. The fact is the sacred is real, and the sacred includes a devil who tempts. So that's why the first point here, we must be aware of the devil and alert to the devil. Now what I'd like to do at this point, because I think we're not aware, as we ought to be, of all the ways the devil can tempt is give you a list of 12 things. You can't remember them all, or maybe you can. You're more genius than me if you can remember that list. But I want you to get an impression. Well, I don't want you to fall asleep. Lists can do that. But I want you to get an impression of all of the ways that the devil can tempt. Here they are. Dissuade you of Christian truth instead of persuade you of Christian truth. Disease. I think the biggest temptation in my life came with disease. Disasters. Delays. Deterrence and distractions. Disappointments. Doubts. Doubts aren't sin, but the devil sure loves to exploit them. Discouragement. Dismay, despair, depression, and what one Christian writer called dark night of the soul experiences or feeling deserted by God. Where are you, God? End of long list. But, again, get a feel for all of the things. You probably could identify with one or more of these if I sit them slower. But see, the, when the devil senses that, and um, 
Yeah, he senses things all right in us. When he senses something, he is out to get you, and that's what the temptation is. Oh, I should say this too, by the way. Uh, testing and temptation. This is a clarification at this point. When the devil tempts, we have to be aware of it. That's my point. God doesn't tempt. But God does test. You have this text in, Je in uh, Genesis 22, verse 1, King James Version, and God did tempt Abraham <laughs> to sacrifice his son Isaac. The newer versions include ours. Get that right. God tested Abraham. Here's, here's the problem. The Hebrew word, well, the Hebrew word uh, for temptations and testing is one and the same. You have to judge by the context, okay? But also a, a problem in English, there's been a little change in the meaning of the word temptation since the King James was written. But what you and I need to know is that God does test his people. I could give you a long list of texts about that too. The devil tempts, and sometimes they're one and the same. Like the devil tempts, and in that same thing, God is testing. Job, most of you know that account. Satan said to God, Job, <laughs> let me tempt him a little bit, and you'll see he's no strong, godly man. God said, okay. Satan did. God was testing Job. Uh, you know, temptation and test in one and the same act. So enough by way of clarification there. The first point then to be aware of is we too must be aware of the devil and alert. Those are words used in the Bible, awareness and alert. Genesis 3, 1 to 15, the devil comes to Eve, form of a serpent. I don't know all the details, but I have an idea that the serpent says more than just a literal snake. We used to live in Platte, South Dakota. I told you about this once. They told me, don't go near the Missouri River in the summer. There are rattlesnakes. If you do, wear big, thick boots and watch out. And Linda showed me an email picture this week of someone who caught a huge prairie rattler in that area and killed it. Um, but a snake has the ability to bite, owie, and poison, you're dead. And uh, I suspect in Genesis 3, Eve was not aware enough of the devil and should have been. Another text, Ephesians 6, be alert and of sober mind, your enemy the devil prowls like a roaring lion. And I'm told that lions are sneaky attackers till they get close and then they leap and roar. The devil is both sneaky and roaring. So, end of first point. Oh, by the way, Martin Luther, have you heard the story of Luther and the inkwell? He threw an inkwell at the devil in his study once. You know, we would tend to do this a little bit in our time, but I suspect Luther was very alert to the devil, and he was closer to the truth than people are who ignore the devil. And that great hymn Luther wrote, And though this world with devils filled, you know, 
there's something there that we get away from, and I, I don't know if it's healthy, but we've got to move on. Second, we too are attempted, tempted, and especially at our weak points. And you all have them, and I have them. And I think I could tell you what some of mine are, but we're not all as self-aware of our weak points as we should be. Sometimes others are more aware of our weak points than we are. But remember that story in uh, Kings of Ahab. He wanted to go to war against Aram. So he got Jehoshaphat on his side. And Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, was a good king in contrast to bad king Ahab. And Jehoshaphat said, we ought to consult the Lord before we go to war. Any prophets around? Yeah, Micaiah. Jehoshaphat says, bring him on. Micaiah comes on and says, if you go to war, Ahab, you're going to die. Well, and then the text goes on to say, other prophets were called in, the false prophets, who all said, Ahab, go to war, and you're going to win it. Jehoshaphat wasn't too impressed. And then the story says, from a heavenly perspective, God, God says, who's going um, to deceive Ahab here? And deceiving is the devil's type of stuff. And an angel says, I'll put a lying spirit in the prophets. And that's why all the other prophets were lying. And then Ahab goes to war with Jehoshaphat. The king of Aram says, uh, you, you make sure to get, get that king Ahab. The Aram soldiers go after Jehoshaphat and realize they're going after the wrong man. Nobody recognizes Ahab because he's dressed in armor like a regular soldier. Someone takes his bow and arrow and phew! And the arrow finds the place right in the chink in Ahab's armor. Seems to be a chance thing, but that story is in the Bible. And the point is, we have our weaknesses, and that's where we're in danger. And that's where the devil wants to get you, friends. In fact, it's not only the Bible, it's secular literature, too, that uh, has some of those same things. There's a Greek mythological story of Achilles. Nobody could kill him. He escaped everything unhurt. And then Paris, son of King Priam of Troy, used a poison arrow, shot it at Achilles, and Achilles supposedly was protected because one of the gods had dipped him into some kind of fluid that was to save him, and the only unprotected part on him was his heel where she dipped him in, and the poison arrow found his heel. <laughs> that, that, that reflects Bible truth in a way, and uh, it happens. So, we, too, are tempted, and especially at our weak points. Mother caught her little boy with his hand in the cookie jar. She said, what are you doing? He said, I'm fighting temptation. She said, well, that's the wrong place to fight temptation. You're too close to it, see? And um, so I think we can leave it at that with that second point there. 
The first was be aware of the devil. The second is we too are tempted, especially at our weak points. Now, since I've given you a list, I want to have a little break between the third and fourth points here and tell you a story of someone who faced temptation so that hopefully the story will help. The man's name is Thomas Dorsey. Back in 1932, he was a fairly new husband. His wife, Nettie, and him were living in an apartment on Chicago's south side, like many of you do. And on a hot August afternoon, he had to go to St. Louis, where he was the featured soloist at a large Christian revival meeting. He had uh, played in secular musical venues and become a Christian, and now was playing in Christian music venues. His wife was nearly ready to deliver. That evening, in the middle of the concert, he was handed a note. And it said on the note, your wife died, your baby died. What a temptation, you know. After the thing was done, he found out the fact she had died in childbirth. It happened in those days. It still does, but not as much. And then here's a quotation from him. For days I closeted myself. I felt God had done me an injustice. I didn't want to serve him anymore or write gospel songs. I just wanted to go back to that jazz world I once knew so well. But then as I was hunched alone in that dark apartment those first sad days, I thought back to the afternoon I went to St. Louis. Something kept telling me to stay with Nettie. Was that something God was saying? Oh, if I'd only paid more attention to him that day, I would have stayed and been with Nettie when she died. And then he goes on to say, I was sorely tempted to quit on God quit on Christian music and everything. But then after a while, he felt that God gave him victory. See, that's important. The devil's stronger than you are, but you have to look to God for victory. And then later, he wrote these words, Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, let me stand. I'm tired, I'm weak, I'm lone. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. When my way grows dear, precious Lord, linger near. When my life is almost gone, hear my call, hear my call. Hold my hand, lest I fall. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. When the darkness appears and the night draws near and the day is past and gone, at the river I'll stand, guide my feet, hold my hand. That by a man who was tempted sorely with a severely trying circumstance. And by God's grace was given the victory over the temptation. Now, a third and a fourth point yet, third. We too must learn to say it is written to win over our temptation and we must pray to win over temptation. Dual point here, and the reason for the dual point is, well, for one, Matthew 4, it says three times Jesus said it is written and the devil 
shied away. But also there's a text in Ephesians 6 about the armor of God, verses 17 and 18. The only offensive weapons, the rest are defense, like helmets and so on, shields, the two offensive weapons against the devil are these. After take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions, always keeping in mind me too. Our two offensive weapons against temptation, Bible and prayer. By the way, a Roman Catholic Pope, I agree with him on this, uh, about the translation, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That can imply in our time that God is saying, follow me, I'm going to just bring you right into temptation. Well, that's a yes and no thing, but here's the way the Pope suggested that we should read it, and I think he's right here. Um, he says this, uh, find it here. Uh, he says, uh, the phrase, do not lead us into temptation, uh, would be better translated, do not lead us so that we fall into temptation. Leave it at that. But now, quickly, the third point was we must learn to say it is written and we must pray. The fourth point is we must not yield to temptation. I mean, it's one thing to pray, which we should do probably more than we do, me too, but to pray can be empty words, too. And to pray can be asking God to do everything and us nothing so that we're under-responsible and irresponsible. The Bible in Romans, the first book of application is yield yourself to God. And you probably have heard of that hymn, Yield not to temptation, for yielding is sin. Each victory will help you, some other to win. Fight manfully onward, dark passions subdue. Look ever to Jesus, he'll carry you through. Stanza two, shun evil companions, bad language disdain. God's name hold in reverence, nor take it in vain. Be thoughtful and earnest, kind-hearted and true. Look ever to Jesus, he'll carry you through. Stanza three, to him that overcometh, God giveth the crown through faith we will conquer, though often cast down. He is our Savior, our strength will renew. Look ever to Jesus, he'll carry you through. And the refrain, ask the Savior to help you, comfort, strengthen, and keep you. He is willing to aid you. He will carry you through. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, we will be aware that there is a devil, a real devil, and not only aware, but alert to him. In our times when awareness and alertness of the devil may be less than it should be. And we too will recognize that we face temptations. And if anyone here is under temptation this evening, in their weak points, or otherwise, give them extra grace and strength to be able to say, get thee behind me, Satan, and to be able to say and live by 
it is written. And we pray, too, that we all may know our Bibles well enough to be able to say it is written when we should do it. Another big problem in our time that people don't know their Bibles well enough. And we pray for the power to yield not to temptation, but instead to yield, as Romans 6 puts it, our bodies to godliness. Amen.